5: Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
4: Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour, known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk with uh, Michael Carr and Travis Fry from Calixt about plant-based engineering. That's coming up in a few minutes. But um, last night, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer gave her fourth State of the State Address Um, outlining her vision for the state, calling for bipartisan uh, collaboration. And uh, I've gotten a couple of uh, uh, supportive emails from state representatives from the immediate area, John Cherry. And um, also, um, who else do we have? Uh, Oh, yeah, um, Cynthia Neely. Um, How could I forget Cynthia? And she says she applauds Governor Whitmer for putting forward plans that will put communities like Flint first. Um, uh, Governor Whitmer tried to focus on what she considers kitchen table issues, uh, roughly a 25-minute speech. And I've uh, whittled it down to um, just a few highlights. Um, five to seven minutes or so and and we'll get a chance to hear that before we um, before we move on and and talk to uh, Michael and travis um, and uh, in that we'll uh, let's see um, Let me find out what we've got. Oh, we're going to hear uh, some comments on bipartisanship, on roads, on economic development, on tax relief, and um, some of what she had to say. She talked a lot about bipartisanship. Um, She might face some legislative problems. Pushback as the Detroit Free Press reports Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky, a Republican from Clark Lake, said before the speech that there was little appetite for a pension cut that only rolled back the Snyder-era changes. Well, we'll see uh, what happens going forward. Um, interestingly, this year um, she did the uh, State of the State message message uh, virtually and uh, it was broadcast on television and the Lieutenant Governor uh, Gilchrist um, introduced her from the uh, um, courthouse the county courthouse in Marquette up in the UP which was kind of interesting the governor was at a uh, truck plant in the Detroit area Um, and uh, The Republicans were offered a chance to rebut, as they always do. There's usually a uh, um, Republican response when uh, a Democratic governor gives a state-of-the-state message. But they declined this time, which I thought was kind of of interesting and a little disappointing, I suppose. I would have included that as well, had they uh, taken advantage of that opportunity but we are going to um, we are going to go ahead and uh, cut to the highlights from uh, governor Gritch, uh, Gretchen Whitmer's state of the state message from last night from the
1: show, oh
5: I know at times our nation's capital feels hopelessly gridlocked. But at our state capital, Republicans and Democrats have shown we can come together to put Michiganders first. Together, we delivered over $420 million dollars in relief to small businesses, empowering them to expand operations and retain over 200,000 jobs through COVID. We expanded access to high quality childcare. And now over one in three children in Michigan, 12 and under are eligible for low or no cost childcare. You can go to michigan.gov slash childcare to see if you're eligible too. First, let's talk about the roads. The pandemic showed us it slowed us down a bit, but since I took office, Michigan has repaired rebuilt or rehabilitated over 13,000 lane miles of road and over 900 bridges in every region of our state while supporting nearly 82,000 jobs. Now that's enough miles to drive from the Michigan-Ohio border all the way to the Mighty Mac over 40 times. In 2021, in 2021 alone, we fixed Gratiot and Macomb, I-496 in Lansing, 196 in Allegan, 69 in Genesee, 94 in Kalamazoo, US-41 in Marquette, and we're forging ahead on the Gordie Howe Bridge in Detroit, which will be taller than the Statue of Liberty when it's completed. Recently, the Army Corps of Engineers answered our call to invest in the Sioux Locks, securing funding to finish the job in Sault Ste. Marie. That's a big deal for the UP and for our state's economy. Just yesterday, we saw proof. Last month, we worked together to sharpen Michigan's economic development tools. And this week, we landed a $7 billion investment from General Motors that will create and retain 5,000 good-paying manufacturing jobs, making electric vehicle batteries in Lansing and Orion Township. The future of the auto industry is being built in Michigan, in plants like this one, by union members. And we're just getting started. Historically, the knock on Michigan was that we didn't have the tools to compete with other states. We moved too slowly, and state government was dysfunctional. Yesterday, the world saw what we can accomplish. Democrats, Republicans, businesses, utilities, and labor joined forces to equip Michigan with solid economic tools to attract big projects and create thousands of jobs. We showed the world we have the tools, we move fast, and we work together. And Michigan is going to win. That brings us to what's next. Tonight, I'm putting forward proposals that will build on the work that we've done together, and grow our economy by cutting taxes and lowering costs. First, taxes. I believe that whenever possible, we should make taxes more fair for our seniors and working families. Michiganders should be able to keep more of what they've earned. In December, I signed a bipartisan bill cutting the personal property taxes for small business owners, And last November, we repealed the tampon tax, the sales tax on menstrual products, saving women hundreds of dollars in taxes. When it comes to delivering for women, I will keep finding ways to lower their costs. And I'll veto any legislation that would take away their right to choose. My proposals tonight will cut taxes for seniors and working families. For our seniors, let's work together to repeal the retirement tax. I first called to repeal this tax back in 2019. It's time to get it done. If we phase it out over the next few years, we can save half a million households in Michigan an average of a thousand bucks a year. That's money for prescriptions, rent, car payments, or gifts for grandkids. Repealing the retirement tax will help real people. Tonight, I've laid out my plans to cut taxes for retirees and working families, to lower costs on insulin and electric vehicles, and expand access to mental health. As always, I'll work with anyone to deliver on these kitchen table issues. I'll also work to invest the federal resources we have received with plans I released last year, like the Michigan New Economy which would grow our middle class, support small businesses, and invest in our communities.
3: Hey, on behalf of Detroit, we want to present these buffs to our governor. Big Grinch! Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Grinch. We ain't even about to stretch, we got Big Grinch. You can find her in the press, under Big Grinch. Fresh in a new dress, yeah that's Big Grinch. Grinch. Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Grinch. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Gretz. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Big Gretch and this bitch playing no role. Excuse all, all the cussing, that's just how I get my flow on. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch said stay home. That's your all that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we gonna take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Uh-oh got them shook now, when it's all over, you invited to the cookout, when it's all over, you deserve to get took out, Big Gretch with the buffs on, on the lookout, uh, and she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening, she on that pair of buffs with the ice and them glistening, on behalf of the whole Detroit mission, throw so them buffs on her face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stress, we got big great. At all. You can find her in the press. Under big great. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's big great. Throw a buff on her face. Cause that's big great We ain't even about to stress. We got big great. At all. You can find her in the press. Under big great. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's big great. Big Grinch.
4: welcome back, everybody. Uh, This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guests this hour um, are from a company uh, who has uh, developed plant-based synthetic biology solutions, enabling billion-dollar industries to reach their sustainability goals more quickly. They are from uh, Calyxed. I think is how it's pronounced. The president and chief executive officer, Michael A. Carr, and uh, Dr. Travis Fry, the chief technology officer, both join me by phone. Michael Travis, welcome to the show.
6: Thank you for having us. For having us.
4: Let me. Um, I, I read a phrase, and I've been scratching my head ever since I first read the phrase "plant-based engineering." What does that mean?
6: Well, we are, Calix is a, is a plant-based synthetic biology company. And in simple terms, synthetic biology is a field of science that involves programming biological systems to create chemistries that are sustainable in nature, and that's our main focus.
4: And and forgive my naivety, but what, what are the uses of
6: that? Well, how we do it is is that we're, we're, we're creating plant-based solutions um, that are going to aid companies with their sustainability goals. So our target markets and the customers we work with, you'll find in cosmetics, nutraceuticals, and pharmaceutical companies. And within those industries, they have sustainability needs. They're currently using either chemistries or compounds or products that aren't sustainable. They're actually harmful to the environment and or they're finite in nature. So there's simply not enough of that molecule or that chemistry in nature for them to supply the products to the end consumers that they they decide. And so what we do is we use our plant-based synthetic biology technology, which is unique. Um, There are other synthetic biology companies, but we're really not aware of anybody using the the same approach and certainly not the the same technology that that we've developed over the last 11 years. We do that to aid these corporations and then eventually the end consumer to reach their uh, sustainability goals. I'm sure you're aware and, and, and your listeners are aware that you know today's global economy is not sustainable. Um, a, a huge portion of, of the companies and the largest companies around the world have committed to sustainability, committed to decarbonization or to be carbon neutral by 2030. And in order for them to, to achieve those goals, they're gonna have to use nature-based and then plant-based ingredients and, and chemistries. Uh, one thing that we think is interesting is the Boston Consulting Group recently conducted a study, and in their estimation, in order to read our sustainability goals as, as really a, a global world, we're going to have to move to nature-derived products and plant-based products, and that will affect over 30 trillion, that is with a T, 30 trillion of the global economy over the next 30 years. So it's an exciting time for us, and it certainly is an t- exciting space to be participating in. More
4: about plant-based engineering with Michael Carr and Dr. Travis Frey of Calixt.
2: straight ahead.
7: Everybody's doing a brand new dance now.
2: Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
5: Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
4: More about plant-based engineering with Michael Carr and Dr. Travis Frey of Calixt, straight ahead. Well, let me um, see if I can uh, kind of figure this out. Um, essentially, what you're trying to do is, is create... Um, a technology that will help companies sort of um, redefine how they make the products they make using things that have less of a carbon footprint. Um, Is that... Are we talking about, like, let's, let's just grab something, for example, a tube of lipstick. And a company is making this tube of lipstick. And using AI and other technologies, um, you're developing uh, synthetic things that imitate things in nature so that they can make that, um, that tube of lipstick without harming the environment. Have I, have I kinda get, am I getting a handle on this?
6: Partially except for the synthetic. Travis, why?
9: Yeah, I think, so maybe we'll just take a quick step back. And, and, you know, the technology itself, when you think about plants, so plants have evolved really since the beginning of time. They can't move, right? So they, they can't get up and walk to the grocery store like, like we can to get their food and their energy and their medications. Sure. So they have to synthesize everything themselves. And because of that, and because we've evolved with those plants over time, our, our bodies are used to having those types of chemistries naturally produced in the plant and then introduced to the body. So our body traditionally has leveraged plants for all uses uh, across uh, you know, our various uh, needs. And so what we've done is the common core across all plants is DNA, right and and so that language is universal and what we've done over the last 10 to 11 years is really mastered how to speak that language within the plant and understand how we then can introduce within any given plant species make it produce the chemistries that other plant species that may be different from it produce and do it in a way that's more productive so for example if you were to take a a flower or a plant from the, you know, the Amazon rainforest that may produce a chemistry that's really important for as an antioxidant or could be actually a really important uh, drug uh, for anti-tumor or um, antifungal needs, those are very difficult to source, and so the challenge then is either you have to source it from the plant or you have to synthetically find a way to reproduce it chemically until now. Now we have a capability within Calix to actually take the understanding of that unique plant within the Amazon. We take that information and come back to our what we call a plant spring platform. And that is the culmination of understanding how our plant DNA relates to that unique plant's DNA in the Amazon. We then bring that information back, and using AIML, it can help us make that translation between that Amazonian plant and our plant very quick. And it allows us then to say, what precursor is being naturally produced within our system, or if it's already being produced, how can we produce more of it? And we then through engineering can go in and actually turn the production of those chemistries up within the plant. So it's still a plant, it's still naturally producing the compounds. We've just helped the plant do it in a more efficient way. And then we take that plant, or what we call our plant cell matrix, and we put it into a bioreactor. And that's where the real um, magic happens in terms of producing that chemistry in a reliable way, because we can do it in a in a reactor much like a fermentation system uh, that you've seen for, uh, you know, if you think about breweries and, and how they produce, uh, you know, various beverages. It's kind of the same way. It's a little bit different, but how we use it is is to basically bring the, the, the plant cell matrix indoors. It allows us to then produce 24-7, and then we can then extract from that matrix the chemistries of interest. And we can then purify it and then give it to our customers to incorporate into their, uh, in, in your example, the lipstick, which has many, many different chemistries. And our customers are very savvy to how they source those chemistries. They're also very savvy as to which one of those chemistries are, are really non-sustainable within their system because they're, they're evaluating every source of ingredient that they're using across their product lines. And they're saying, is this or is this not a sustainable source? And can I reliably access it? And what we're giving those customers is the ability to access plant-based chemistries, so that then it can replace those less sustainable or unsustainable compounds that they're currently using.
4: That sounded like a Travis answer.
9: That was a Travis answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, hopefully, it was hopefully it was clear and understandable.
4: No, no, no. I'm 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 starting to get the hang of it. So, then what? what do you end up with um how how do how does a company that makes things and wants to use these uh, um, plant based uh, biology solutions that you're coming up with how how do they how do they shop for the materials i mean I, do you end up with barrels of this stuff that are shipped to factories or I mean, what what does the uh, end product look like for you, and then how does how do you customers then receive that and use it in their processes?
6: Well, that's what's sort of exciting about what we're facing, is, is that the customers in the target markets that we've, we've talked about, um, because of their sustainability needs and goals, they, they've identified molecules and chemistries that they need. They, they have those in hand. And, and I would suggest that that's probably a, a recent thing. I and mean, it sort of falls along the line with the importance of sustainability in, in recent years. And then, depending on that specific molecule and, and then the end use, the, the customer will identify, you know, what means do they, they need it uh, delivered to them. And, and in some cases, it could be in liquid form. In some cases, it could be in, in a powdered form. Um, you know, typically, uh, obviously, in the pharmaceutical uh, industry, we're we're talking about milligrams and very small quantities. Um, a little bit larger in in, in in nutraceutical and cosmetics, but still not the 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 large quantities that you would see, for example, in the in the few in uh, the food industry or the fuel industry. Very very different in that regard. But the exciting thing for us is that the the, the customers have identified the molecules that they need, and and there is that need due to the sustainability requirements.
4: And then they can order what they need from you. Do you then um, create these things on demand, or do you stockpile things you know that, that some of your customers are going to need?
6: Well, well, we'll look at the customer needs from uh, from a molecule or a chemistry standpoint, and, and we'll evaluate it. We, we use a, a process. We call it a target product pro- profile. Where we'll work with our customers in identifying the molecules that, that makes the most sense from a, a plant-based solution. And as Travis mentioned, we have our PlantSpring platform, which is our development technology. It's a technology that's been developed over 11 years. Um, it'll go through a process. It can take as, as long as 36 months or a or much, uh, much shorter period of time. It could happen within a matter of uh, two or three months where we'll engineer, verify, and, and develop that molecule within our system. That then goes into our plant cell matrix, and then the plant cell matrix is inserted in our biofactory. So the development process really sort of depends on what the specific molecule the customer needs. Okay.
4: Um, what... Who are the companies that are likely to buy things
6: from you? Well, if you look at the cosmetics and the nutraceutical and the pharmaceutical industry, all three of those are very innovative industries. Um, They tend to have uh, new needs, they're developing new products. Um, They are also very proactive from a sustainability standpoint. It was interesting, one of our our colleagues recently went to a cosmetics counter at one of the, the local retailers, and the first question she received from the salesperson there was, what are your sustainability goals for your cosmetics? So we're starting to see these customers uh, or these uh, our potential customers in these end markets being driven by sustainability from their end consumers and proactively inquiring about sustainability and how they can meet their customer uh, needs. And so it's really sort of exciting as you see these innovative industries um, really take the, the charge in, in driving sustainability.
4: And and so what they're able to do then, these customers are of yours are able to offer to their customers products that are eco-friendly.
6: Correct, environmentally friendly, and or, or finite in nature, and are un- very very unique. I mean, there's some of these chemistries as we've, we've discussed are aren't readily available in in, in today's world. And so being able to find a, a supply solution that's sustainable and unique, as, as we offer, is, is very attractive.
9: I, I mean, I'll add, this is Travis. I, you know, I yeah. think one of the other um, unique benefits that we bring with to our customers is that partnership. So in many cases, they may be sourcing some of these chemistries uh, now, uh, and they may be natural, uh, but they could be mixtures, um, and they're not pure And so that creates variability in their system. Um, And so by working with us and with our PlantSpring platform, it allows us to sort of customize uh, a bespoke molecule for them that's pure, uh, doesn't get contaminated, um, really meets the needs of of the – for what they're trying to do for their product. If there's an efficacy of that product in terms of, you know, how it interacts with your skin or how it interacts with your hair, your body – in some way, shape, or form, these companies know, uh, and they have deep understanding of these chemistries. But in many cases, they may not be able to get a pure enough form, and so that's where we can help to make sure we're we're delivering that to them in a in a format that they can then um, use in their products to create more value for the customers.
4: And, and so, most of the work that you do is with chemical products the idea that this this all has to do with uh basically chemical products or chemical related products you're not for example you're not making car bodies out of hemp
9: no no you're uh,
4: correct i is the companies that um that are coming to you um, for these uh plant-based solutions, Um, do they have other sustainability goals that they're addressing for their factories and how their factories are powered? Or are they using these sustainable solutions and still leaving a, a carbon footprint elsewhere?
6: Uh, that's a very good. That's a very good question, Tom. You know, they, they do have other sustainability goals. They have, you know, the ESG goals. Um, there's going to be certain aspects, you know, clearly that we're we're providing a solution for as it relates to chemistries and and certain compounds within their products. Um, I was talking with a, a cosmetic customer the other day, and because of their you know, carbon footprint and decarbonization goals, they're very intrigued by our biofactory right, which is a production process that produces our chemistries. It's a, it's a bioreactor. Um, it could be placed anywhere. It, it takes place of the old uh, crop system or, or growing plants in the outdoors. We grow it in a, in a controlled, confined bio, uh, bioreactor. And the question I got from the, the cosmetic companies is, can we put that in our manufacturing facility? And so the goal there was to address their ESG and sustainability goals outside of what our specific product um, uh, could address. So they were looking at their, their carbon footprint. They were looking at their energy footprint, the productivity of their standard systems. So while we can't address all of the sustainability goals or ESG goals a company have, we can certainly address many of the important ones.
4: How does artificial intelligence fit into this?
9: Yeah, so so as I mentioned earlier you know the complexity of, of the plant is something that it at first glance is, is very um, almost unmanageable if you try to take all of that information and all that data at once and as we bring that information in and we try to, to, to zero in on how we will create a customer's uh, unique product we have to analyze, Uh, all the precursors to how that product is made or that particular chemistry is made within the plant, and then go back in the plant sort of chemistry makeup and figure out where the precursor is, and then work our way back towards what enzymes do we need to add to sort of create that final uh, unique chemistry. And so our scientists have been using AIML to help make that process more efficient. So you can imagine of the hundreds or thousands of combinations that they could pursue, the AIML helps to narrow those down and sort through and sift through the various components and then give us uh, a little bit more of an informed uh, probability of where we should start. And the other place that's really valuable is, is when we don't necessarily have all the information, we then can use the AIML to interpret the data that we're generating, and it can unearth and detect trends that you know, our scientists wouldn't necessarily see at the surface. But because the AIML can analyze the data uh, much more deeply and and quicker, it can then surface those connections, and our scientists can then use that to then plan the next experiment or plan the next uh, learn cycle that we go through. And, And what's really important with AIML is that every time you can run a design, engineer, and verify, you're learning from that experiment. And every time you learn something, you fill in a blank, and the more blanks we can fill in and the faster we can do that, the quicker we can learn things we didn't understand and then also bring these new sort of unknown chemistries and pathways to bear on customer needs. So the AIML helps us really do things more efficiently, and it helps us also detect trends that we wouldn't normally see. Was, th-
4: was there a need that you... Were already fulfilling, or did you come up with a process and you have to introduce that process to people and companies that can benefit from it?
9: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. When you when you think about what we've been doing for the last eleven years, our <laughs> our PlantSpring platform really brought forward plants, um, and and that process took many many years. And the challenge with that is we were trying to figure out how we could bring those products in the case we were trying to bring a plant uh, to bear for those customers to to grow and and then harvest Um, how could we do that more quickly or more importantly how could we learn from the design engineer and verify that we were actually changing the right pathways to ensure that we would get the right output at the end without having to wait two or three years to figure out if we had made an impact and in doing so, uh, the, the, the scientists were challenged to basically find a way to do this more quickly. And that's where the, the PCM or the plant cell matrix in the biofactory came into play. The, within our uh, capabilities, and because we have a deep knowledge of, of plants and, and plant tissue culture, we were able to find a solution that allowed us to do that design learn cycle very very quickly and grow the material in the lab and then what we discovered from that is not only could it help us learn quickly it also allowed us to have a production system that was uh, really never seen before traditionally when these types of systems have been produced in the past they grow very slow Um, even today the systems that are used uh, typically are single cell based systems ours is a matrix of, of cells and it grows very very quickly And so we discovered in our learning that not only could it help us learn and discover and make better decisions, it also was a way for us to produce these chemistries from plants. And that was one of the biggest challenges for the industry in general to get at plant-based chemistries. There just isn't a way to produce them in a reliable fashion. And that's why a lot of companies didn't have the opportunity when you think about the 170,000-plus natural compounds that have been characterized to date, only about 20% of those that can be produced through fermentation processes. All the rest were produced in plants. And if they weren't produced in a large agricultural crop, it is very, very difficult for them to access those materials consistently. And that's why we developed the biofactory, was to be able to bring to bear for these companies and these innovators a source of, of chemistry that he didn't have access to previously.
4: But I, I, I just couldn't help wondering if you hadn't come across answers to questions people didn't even know to ask yet.
9: Well, and, and that's what we're starting to find out um, <laughs> as we're talking with customers. They're they're realizing, you know, they haven't really been thinking about this as an opportunity for a long time, um, and now they're starting to come to us first as, a, you know, hey, we can't have this. There's no way to produce this any other way. Can you produce this in your plant-based system? We know it's derived from a plant. And then from there, they start to think, well, if you can do that, you know, can you do these other types of chemistries which are really hard to source or we can't even fathom sourcing? And and that's what I think is most exciting when you think about um, health benefits coming from some of these plant-based chemistries. The million-plus natural compounds that have yet to be classified the majority of those already exist in plants. It's, it's just a matter of bringing those to the surface. And that's where AIML is really helping us to, to unearth where those chemistries are and bringing them to the surface so that these innovative companies can now actually find value and, and, and sources of use for them.
4: Well, Michael, Travis, we're, we're almost out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can uh, find out more about what you've been sharing with me and the listeners this morning and and, um, and and keep track of what you're doing and what you're up to. Is is there a, a website that's a, a good place to start for people who want to learn more about this?
6: Yeah, first, Tom, thanks for having us. And then the website is the best place, and that's C A L Y X T C-A-L-Y-X-T.com. And,
4: uh... Thanks uh, for spending this time with me, and uh, by all means, keep up the good work. You guys are way over my head, but I'm glad there are people who are that are out there doing this, uh, this, this new way of, uh, of getting things done and meeting sustainability goals.
9: Um, we appreciate you uh, bringing, bringing our story to, the, to your audience, so thanks for the opportunity. All right.
4: Take care. That was uh, Michael Carr and Dr. Travis Frey from Calixt, talking about plant-based um, engineering and biology. And, and as I said, it's way over my head. But we are going to have more of the Tom Sumner program.
1: the Str- <music>
3: Stay inside with well, me. You might just save a life. Or two, or three, or four, or maybe five.
1: Let's save lies,
3: Are we crazy?
1: Baby, this ice. Summerprogram.com. From the Tom's Tom's Show. Oh
9: yeah. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint, fighting crime. I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Duck out.
8: East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported.
7: Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490.
6: This is US Senator Gary Peters, and you're
10: listening to the Tom Sumner Program. There are many shows on the air, which are basically interview shows. Nice, 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 nice.
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
10: There are many shows on the air which are basically interview shows, and they start out in a very austere setting. Uh, There's the interviewer, he sits behind a desk, and in the background somewhere, some figure in the news sits. He's later in the show blinded by a spotlight. I might present one of these shows. They start off very dramatically, something like this Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Wallace, Nightline. Our guest in the studio tonight is Dr. Warner, Von Warner, one of the many German missile scientists involved in our American missile program. Dr. Von Warner, I suppose the question most often asked you, you were involved in the German missile program, you're now involved in our missile program. Was the fact that you were involved in the German missile program a matter of political conviction, or was this political expediency on your part (laughs) oh boy that one (laughs) actually actually, I didn't I didn't have that much to do with it to tell you the truth Um, this is back around 1940 I was working at a beer garden in Stuttgart (laughs) And like on Friday night, you know, the waitresses and the raiders, we'd go to one of the girls' pads, you know, and... <laughs> uh, order some pizzas and some schnapps and get half-gassed, you know. <laughs> and I used to fool around with these inventions, you know, and I'd take this tin can and put a on and underneath it, and I like the firecrack, and that thing go four or five feet up in the air, you know. And everybody'd say, what the hell was that, or... what a not that Warner is... somebody wanted to get Warner's hat, you know, something like that. Except this one party, the little guy walks over, he's got a little mustache and... <laughs> piece of hair falling on it. He says, hey, that, uh, that was interesting what you did with a uh, with, uh, tin can there. <laughs> but uh, what, uh, what causes that? Eh? I said, well, see, that's, um, for every action, there's a reaction, you see. And the, the force of the firecracker is it's, see, it's, first of all, it starts toward the floor. But well, the top of your can, see, it's... <laughs> Every time I do it, it jumps forward. <laughs> he
1: says,
10: what, uh, what do you call that thing there? I said, that's uh that's a hocket. <laughs> it's named after my landlord, Irving Arkett. <laughs> I was about three months behind in her aunt, you know, and comes a knock at the door, and he says, Look, Warner, you know, you've got to knock off with the firecrackers in the middle of the night. You know, because the neighbors are complaining. And don't hand me the Madame Curie bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> what her landlord wanted to do about her aunt, that's his business, I want my aunt, see? I said, Look, I'm working on an invention. If it works out, I'll name it after you. He says, You're going to call it an Irving? <laughs> call it a rocket. So anyway, the guy at the party, little mustache, piece of hair falling in his eyes. He says, that would make a terrific weapon, you know that? I said, well, you'd have to get right on top of the guy. You know. And, you know, you'd have to hit him in the face or something like that with, with a tin can to really hurt him. I think your big problem is going to be getting that close to the guy, you <laughs> He says, No, no. What if, what if we took a hundred firecrackers and a great big tin can, see? <laughs> I said, Well, we saw that, but your problem there is, see, by the time you light the fuse on the last firecracker. <laughs> so for- He said, look, the, the, reason, the reason I'm asking you all this, I'm headed to German people. Oh. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, uh, you know, congratulations. I, you know. <laughs> I hadn't seen a paper in a couple of days, so I took a
1: verse.
10: <laughs> he says, would you like to be involved in our missile program? I said, well, you know, I got a pretty good thing going at the at the beer garden. You know, he says, look, he says it's a civil service job. Three fifty a month. When you're fifty-five, you go down to Button Button and forget the whole scene. So anyway, all they want me to do, I sign these requisitions, liquid oxygen. I don't know what it is. I'm signing Warner von run, Warner, and every month three fifty. There it is, like clockwork. See? Anyway, make a long story short, we lose the war. (laughs) And the Americans come to me, you know, and I've been getting offers from the Russians and all that, and they say, look, Warner, you know, we've seen your name on some of the requisitions, and uh, how'd you like to be involved in the American Missile Program, you know? I said, look, actually, I didn't have that much to do with it, you see. I mean, I was at this party in Stuttgart, see? They said, ne- never, mind. never mind, we need a name. No, we... So anyway, I-, I-, I took the job. And uh, there its four fifty a month. When I'm 55, I go down to Fort Lauderdale. And... <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. Well, uh, Dr. Von Warner, our time is running out on us. Uh, we have now put a man in space. The Russians, some two or three weeks before that, had put a man in space. Was this the eventual plan of the German missile program to put a man in space? Oh, we, we put a man in space. Oh, sure, back in uh, 1940. I put, my brother in law, Herman, I put him in. Space. <laughs> well, now that's amazing because, of course, the, the big problem we found uh, putting a man in space was the problem of reentry. And uh, apparently, in 1940, you had already solved that problem. Well, what problem is this you're talking about? <laughs> Well, Dr. Von Warner, we want to thank you very much for stopping by, and wish you continued success. Well, thank you very much. Now, are you going to give me the money, or are you going to send a check <laughs> 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 I did very well
11: myself this past Christmas. The nicest present I received was a gift certificate, good at any hospital, for a lobotomy.
1: <laughs>
11: <laughs> Rather thoughtful. Now, Now, if I may digress momentarily from the mainstream of this evening's symposium, I'd like to (laughs) sing a song which is completely pointless, but is something which I picked up during my career as a scientist. This may prove useful to some of you someday, perhaps, in a somewhat bizarre set of circumstances. It's simply the names of the chemical elements set to a possibly recognizable tune. Aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neptunium, germanium, and iron, amaricium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthrum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and golden protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and, thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, and terbium, actinium, rubidium, and boron, gadolinium, niobium, iridium, and strontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, bromine, lithium, beryllium, and barium. Isn't that interesting? I knew you would. I hope you're all taking notes because there's going to be a short quiz next period. <laughs> there's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium and fluorine and terbium and manganese and mercury, malignant and magnesium, dysprosium and, and scandium and cerium and cesium and lead, praseodymium and platinum, and plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium, and tantalum, titanium, tellurium, and cadmium and calcium and chromium and curium. They sulfur, californium, and fermium, berkelium, and also Mendelevium, Einsteinium, nobelium, and Arca Cryptonian, radon xenon, zinc and rhodium, and chlorine carbon, cobalt, copper, tungsten tin, and sodium. These are the only ones of which the news has come to Harvard. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered.
0: This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Super bad transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July are super bad transmittable, contagious awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better <coughs> Now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docs were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say: if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation we'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation it's super damn important that we practice isolation if we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart, cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilised. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine. The lesson to total a super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus.
6: Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.
0: The Tom.